Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I find, I guess like in my work, I tend to study like human behavior in terms of like why people are unhappy, like not even within work, but like just in life. Why are, why are we dissatisfied? Why are we unhappy? Like, why do we have these expectations? Why do we want the things that we want? I think it's more, I tend to like look at more psychological reasons for people's, I find that I, I meet a lot of people or encounter a lot of people that just don't seem to be living the life that they want to live. There's a lot of bitterness and anger and resentment. And I am always curious about that. Like, why do we, why do we accept those things? Like why we have one life? What are we supposed to do with it? I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500 episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Jamie, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Well, it is my pleasure to have you here. So um, I want to give people some context because it's it's really kind of a funny story about uh, how I know about you. And, and some people have probably heard me tell this story on stages and talks before. But the reason I know about your work uh, is because I tried to copy it when I first started out. Uh, you had this really, really clever job search campaign, twittershouldhiremecom And I think it had just launched right when I finished business school. And um, I tried to launch a, a campaign called 100 Reasons You Should Hire Me. And after uh, not being able to come up with 100 Reasons You Should Hire Me, I realized it was an abysmal failure. But uh, you know that, believe it or not, is how I know about your work. And it's funny because uh, people who uh, you know are listening may not know that we had you way back in the day when the show was called Blogcast FM. Uh, but you know what got my attention uh, this time about the work that you're doing is the writing that you were doing on Medium and, and how interesting and thoughtful and, and you know provocative it was. So uh, on that note, can you tell us uh, a bit about yourself, your story, your journey, your background, and how that has led you to everything that you're up to now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like it's really funny actually right now because it's around the holidays. I am in the exact bedroom where I created Twitter Should Hire Me. Dot com. I'm like in my childhood bedroom. Um, but it's so funny because that's sort of like this really nice cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I created Twitter Should Hire Me. It was – it got a lot of attention, as you said, and it I, I sort of pivoted it into a web design business. I had honestly like not even gone to school for design. I had always just kind of tinkered around with it. Like I had never been paid to do anything and someone just kind of saw my website, the twittershouldhireme.com website and were like, do you want to be 
like, do you want to do design? Can I hire you? And I, I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess. Cause I had not received a job offer from Twitter. And so for about six years, I had my own web design business and I traveled around the, um, the world and had some incredible experiences like met my husband in Paris and we lived in Paris for a year and that was a whole thing. And now he, I have since like immigrated him to the United States and all this stuff. And, you know, when I was doing all of this, there was always like a side feeling of, I really want to write. Like I've always wanted to write since I was young. And I just always felt like there's not really a way to do it. You know, I'm not one to, I'm not like the struggling artist archetype kind of thing. I am more like practical, I guess. And, you know, when you're like practical, but also creative, it doesn't always turn out to be like, you don't really take as many risks as you might want to. And so I, back in May of 2014, 2014, I, or like maybe April or a little bit before that, I was just decided, I was like, I am going to be a writer. Like, that's it. I'm quitting design and I'm going to be a writer. And, you know, things don't always happen like that. But uh, I got offered a staff writing job at a website called Thought Catalog. And so within seriously, like almost three days of deciding I was going to be a professional writer. Like I read this book, it was called Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. Mm -hmm. And I was so inspired by it. It was just, you know, the book, the thesis of the book is whether you're getting paid or not, like treating yourself like a professional instead of an amateur and whatever job or thing you want to eventually do is, is the key. And so I thought to myself, I was like, what would a professional writer do? I was like, well, first, a professional writer would write, and maybe I should be doing that. And so I, you know, I mean, design for me, I feel like I have these two different disciplines. I have design and writing, and I feel like both of them, I'm talented at it, and yet design is much less emotionally complicated for me. It's just design. You know, I like to do it. I can do it for hours and hours and hours all day. Um, versus writing is like this emotionally fraught thing. I mean, like you said, I, I write very emotional things. I, I don't tend to write kind of like light stuff. And so it's, um, has like a very vulnerable emotional component to it, which means that it's a lot less, I, I mean, if I had to choose each day, which I was going to do, like go deep into my feelings or just design a website. I mean, one of them is a lot easier than the other. Um, so I, I, I pretty much like challenged myself to be a writer. I was like, what, what would that even look like? I mean, I had, I was about 29. Um, and I felt like, it's kind of now or never, which isn't true, but I need that sort of pressure. <laughs> like, you know, you could start anything at any time, but I needed that pressure for myself. Like it's now or never kind of situation. Um, and you know, I got this job offer. I wrote a lot. I found that my writing really resonated with people on a level that I didn't know. I mean, I didn't realize it would. Um, I was always kind of, I I've been blogging. I mean, I've been 
doing sort like kind of stuff on the internet for about, you know, the better part of a decade. Uh, but you know, I, I felt like I wasn't really like getting to the heart of what I wanted to say. Um, with thought catalog and doing that, I really got to the heart of the things that I really wanted to talk about. And, you know, it was a lot deeper and more serious than I thought it would be. Um, and I, uh, that's the kind of writing that just tends to come out of me. And it was really encouraging to see that it was resonating with a lot of people. And I had a post called, this is how we date now basically went the most mega viral ever. And it was, I think at this point been read or at least opened by like 15 million people or something. Mm. And so it went totally crazy. And, you know, that to me, was in, you know, at Thought Catalog, like it's sort of like BuzzFeed. There's lists and then there's essays and things like that. And to me, it's like if a list kind of like a listicle goes viral, I'm like, oh, okay, like that makes sense. But this was a very personal kind of essay. And that had happened to me a few times where like a pretty long essay was kind of uh, read by a lot of people. And so that made me feel like, wow, maybe I have something here. And I actually ended up quitting that job after a year just because it wasn't, it wasn't a great fit for me. I mean, I worked for myself for so long. It's very difficult to be uh, working for someone when you've kind of already had such a strong experience working for yourself. So I think that I needed my, my freedom. And then from there, I started writing on Medium Um, and for other various websites, but I feel like medium is a really great outlet for the kind of work that I want to do. And, um, it's been really awesome. I signed to a literary agent, um, and I'm working on a book proposal now, which is quite a process. I mean, I'm the kind of writer where I sit down and I'm like, I'm going to write something. I don't know what I'm going to write, but I'm going to write it. Like I don't stick to a content schedule or anything. I'm very erratic in that way. I try to discipline myself and then it's, uh, then I rebel and I end up writing shit. I don't even want to read. Um, and then, so working on the proposal has been really interesting cause I'm like, it's very uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen. And, but it's cool. I mean, this is what I've always wanted to do. And so it's a really interesting roundabout thing. I mean, I feel like I've lived, many different lives, especially in my twenties. I'm like, Oh, that was the startup tech life. And then that was the world traveler life. And then that was the having your own business life. And I mean, even interspersed between that, like started, I created an app and that was, that did pretty well. And, um, did like an online design course and have done all sorts of things. And so But now the focus is really on the writing, at least for now. I don't know. I like to be multidisciplinary, but I am working towards like putting all my focus into writing for now to just see what is possible. Like I want to really focus and see what I can do if I am only doing that. Um, So yeah, that is my, that is my story. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, ton of questions, as you can imagine. Uh, I want to do something that I I do with uh, almost everybody. And I want to look at your life prior to, uh, the work that you've done, like growing up, childhood influences, mentors. 
uh, sort of, you know, formative experiences that uh, would ultimately lead you down this path uh, of doing all these things related to design, writing, creativity? I mean, when you're growing up, were there things that you think ultimately play a role in you making all the choices you did later on? Um, I guess there's probably some things that stick out. I mean, when I was young, um, I read all the time. I mean, I was like, that's all I wanted to do was read. Um, and I, you know, but like, I feel that I had to kind of push myself a lot because my parents, I mean, I don't come from a family where everyone went to college and it's, we're, it's not like a academic kind of family. Um, and so I really pushed myself to kind of break out of that. Um, and part of growing up and being in school, I just felt kind of different. I was like, why is everyone, I mean, and I think a lot of what colors my work now is trying to understand people because when I was younger and not as self-aware, I was like, why do people do the things that they do? <laughs> like I was sort of on the sidelines being like, what's everyone doing? And so I feel like I've just been very observational and, but like, honestly, I never had sort of mentors or examples to look up to. Like, I think that I've really had to forge my own path because I mean, my, even my family, like they're super supportive, but it's like, whatever you want to do, like Jamie, whatever you want to do. And it was no, I didn't have that sort of like push. And so I feel very self-motivated and that's, I mean, that helps so much when you get older, but, um, you know, I can't even think of a time when someone sat me down and was like, this is what you should be doing or, this is, I mean, I had maybe like one teacher who was like, you're a great writer, you need to write. And I mean, part of doing design, for example, is I had my own blogs and I was just like tinkering around in on the computer. And I was like, okay, well, I need to design my own stuff because I don't know anyone that does this. And I just like sat down and taught myself Photoshop. Like I just forced myself to know it. And so I think that just being really super self-motivated and curious has been probably like the thing that's most defined how I approached like my work and my life in general. So a couple questions come from that. Uh, you know, what I feel like I hear is, is a pattern of continually overcoming uh, your surroundings and your environment. And I am wondering how people start to do that in their own lives. Uh, because often I feel like sometimes the environment being less than ideal is what becomes the catalyst. And when the environment is ideal, we become really lazy about it and we take it all for granted. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that a lot of people end up like overcoming things because they force themselves to, whereas you can like get really comfortable. I mean, I come from like a little in Northern California, this like very sort of like upper middle class, um, city, uh, town. And I just saw everyone kind of doing the same thing. So like, I feel like I'm overcoming the desire to just be comfortable in life. Like I saw everyone just really comfortable and doing the things that they're supposed to do. 
And I was like, I can't live like this. Like, I can't just follow this. Here's what you do. You go to this school and then you do this and you get married and you have kids and that's what you do. And then the, the I stay home with the kids. You know, I was like, ah, this is like Stepford or something. Um, and so I think that you have to, I mean, I probably attribute all of my overcoming and everything is like being incredibly self-aware. I mean, my mom used to be like, you think too much. And I'm like, but that's the only thing I have. (laughs) I have to think this much to like get myself out of things and not stay stuck in this like same cycle that everybody in the world seems to be in. And so I think that that has always been very important to me is to be very aware of my own thoughts and what happens around me and like challenge myself to overcome it and not be a victim to circumstance, not be a victim to anything and like empower myself. Um, you know, I don't like the feeling that I can't change where I'm at, that I am stuck here, that like, this is just how life is. I don't really, I can't subscribe to that because it'll keep me so stuck. Um, and so I think that that's really the beginning of things is, you know, recognizing the disconnect between where you are and where you want to be and like empowering yourself to get there. I think a lot of people maybe feel that whatever they're born into or whatever they're doing is where they have to stay. And I mean, maybe you won't like I just think like there's nothing that can, no positive outcome that can come from like not believing that you can't move out of that. So the self-awareness, uh, self-motivation and curiosity uh, that you've cultivated throughout your life, you think those are things that can be learned or are they inherently built into some people? Oh, I think for sure they can be learned. Definitely. I mean, I think some people are probably more inclined to that. Um, But I think that they can be practiced just as, you know, for example, like you can practice meditation and the more you meditate, the more calm you calmly you approach your life. Like these things aren't sort of like inherent in people. I think that it's, I mean, it takes the will to want to change things in yourself and in the, in your environment. But for sure, this is like the more you do it and the more you recognize your patterns. I mean, I've had to relearn things in my life. Just, you know, I'll be wake up after a few months and be like, Whoa, have I been like sleepwalking through my life? Time to pay attention again. Like gotta be mindful, gotta be more conscious of like what I'm doing and where I'm going and that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I know that I've like relearned things and had to practice again, the things that I thought that I had mastered. So for sure, it's something to be cultivated. Given that it can be cultivated, uh, why do you think we see such a a wide spectrum of results when it comes to human performance? Like people who have just outstanding results and people who have abysmal results. Well, I think, I mean, I think that there's definitely a lot of factors to that. Um, A lot of people that have these outstanding results, I mean, some of it is like environment, the way you grew up, like the parents that you had. I mean, there's a lot of kind of like imprints from childhood that sort of like either 
motivate or demotivate. Like some people just have a lot more to get past from their life. You know, they have a lot more obstacles versus some people who don't. I also think that like some people are just more motivated. They believe in themselves more. Maybe they had, I don't know. It's like one thing can like set you off in the right or, or the like successful or not successful direction. Like it's everyone has these like little blueprints that they follow. And I mean, I guess I, I don't really, I mean, I haven't like studied enough of like who are the highest performers, but I mean, a lot of it is just, is seems to be like an inherent motivation for that. Like it has to start with that. It has to be like this inherent motivation for for that um, and sort of like the imprint from where you come from, if that's like either you're outrunning something or trying to keep up with something. I don't know. I feel like that's usually the case. Like they're either trying to pull themselves out of something that they really desperately want to get away from or they're trying to keep up with something that they already feel like is within their reach. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I just think everyone's different. I mean, what do you think? Do you think that there's something that carries over in every person who's like high performing or very successful? I think they're all a little nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, You know, given that I've spent the last six years dissecting, uh, you know, people from every walk of life imaginable and trying to understand what makes them tick. Uh, if I could find one common thing, I would say they all have a a few screws loose, uh, (laughs) that, Somebody once told me, it was a guy named Josh Waltman who was a co-producer of Mad Men, and he said creativity is a pathological inability to accept the status quo. <laughs> and I never forgot that because I agreed with it so much. Um, and I think that's that's definitely one thing they all have in common. I think we all have varying degrees of it, but I think when I look at it, um, I think that a lot of it is driven often by uh, a need to avoid pain. I mean, part of why I've chosen to do this is because I'm professionally unemployable. I've been fired from every job I've had. Uh, and so I think part of it is that, you know, I saw uncertainty as a path to a greater life because it's, you know, what was supposedly safe and guaranteed led me to nothing but dead ends. Um, in terms of, of, you know, why the spectrum, uh, I think there are a lot of variables in it. I mean, you and I could probably sit here and talk about that for, you know, a hundred episodes. Uh, but you know, I think talent plays a role. Uh, this is a conversation I had with my mentor, Greg Hartle. Uh, you know, some people are just born with certain gifts. Uh, and I think we don't, you know, really acknowledge that enough. Um, and then I think that some people just have a whole other level of grit. Like they just, there's nothing in them that will get them to quit. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I like to talk about how, there's like a certain talent and personality. Like you said, I mean, some people are born with certain like formulas of personality and talent. And that's probably the thing that I feel like is really difficult, especially on the internet. When I read like these sort of things that like pretty much make it seem like anybody is capable of these sorts of expectations or the things that we should all be like, trying to achieve. And I think that that just sort of gives people really high expectations. Like why should we all be um, trying to be the next Steve Jobs or something? You know, like we don't all need to be that. We can like lower 
we don't have to have that high of expectations. Cause like you said, I mean, there are people, these people tend to be like very eccentric and have like a certain personality that just gives them the ability to be laser focused and completely almost like removed from the rest of the world. And yeah, I mean, I find, I, I guess like in my work, I tend to study like human behavior in terms of like why people are unhappy, like not even within work, but like just in life. Like why are, why are we dissatisfied? Why are we unhappy? Like, why do we have these expectations? Why do we want the things that we want? I think it's more, I, I tend to like look at more psychological reasons for people's, I, I find that I, I meet a lot of people or encounter a lot of people that just don't seem to be living the life that they want to live. There's a lot of bitterness and anger and resentment. And I am always curious about that. Like, why do we, why do we accept those things? Like why we have one life, what are we supposed to do with it? And I I guess I get like a little existential in my work because that's what I tend to think about. Um, But yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. 
With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Let's shift gears a little bit um, and let's start getting into your work. And where I want to start is with Twitter should hire me. In a moment when you decide to do something as audacious and bold like that, uh, what goes through your mind? Well, I didn't know it would even. The thing with that is I, I couldn't. With that, and I, something I'd like to carry over into my life now, even as I'm talking about it and thinking about it, is I didn't even have time or allow myself time to think of the outcome of that. I just thought, hey, this is a really interesting idea, and I like it, so I'm going to do it. You know, like there was a conviction there where I was just like, this is funny. This is interesting. I'm going to do it and see what happens. I didn't have a, you know, I wasn't really self-conscious about it. I didn't know if it would even flop. I didn't know if anything would happen. There was never a time where I thought like, maybe this will go viral. You know, like I just didn't think of that. And I feel like that is something that sort of like, self conviction of doing what I, it's sort of, you know, I, I, it's not like I was looking on the internet and saw that someone else did something similar to it. I just had this idea and decided to do it. And I liked that. I liked that it was, I was the judge of it in a way, you know, I was like, this is good enough for me. Like, I really like this. I think this is cool. And then when I put it out into the world, I was like, Oh, I don't really care what this does. I mean, obviously I I wanted a job at Twitter. So in that (laughs) sense, I wanted that, but I didn't know, I didn't think it would need, like, I just wanted them to see it. I didn't think that it would, all these other people would see it. Um, I didn't think that people were going to share it and try to like rally behind me. That was just such a surprising outcome. Um, But, you know, I was also pretty young. So I think that naivete sort of helped me in a way because I was like, well, I, I don't know any better. So I guess I'm just going to do it. At this point, I think I might, you know, overthink it or maybe think a little too much about it if I was going to do something like that. Like maybe I, I think the internet is a totally different place now. Like there's so many more. I feel like there's so many more people putting their voice into the internet than there was then. I mean, do you feel that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really interesting that you say that if you were to do it now, uh, you would overthink it. And I think that that's something that I miss about, you know, not having uh, too too much of a semblance of a public platform is that I could do a lot of experiments with no consequences and, and not really uh, consider them. I mean, I think that's that's part of the hardest work of, uh, you know, what you do as a creative person as your body of work evolves and grows and, and becomes, you know, you become more and more successful uh, to maintain that sort of naivete uh, and try things that, you know, might blow up in your face because, you know, suddenly now you have all these people who are going to see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the best thing that happened, the, the best thing was that I didn't feel like anyone was paying attention to anything I was doing. So I was just like, all right, this is stupid. Who cares? But now, yeah, like you said, I mean, I think that in all like 
in the sake of vulnerability, like for sure have become more self-conscious about what I put out there. Maybe not even self-conscious, maybe just conscious of what I put out there and how I, you know, I don't like to have a really cultivated image, but still, I mean, I know if I put something out there at this point after like, I, I have an audience that would see it mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't definitely don't have as much of the like, Oh, I don't care what happens kind of attitude. And I also feel like being on the internet now, uh, since 2009, like, you know, pretty exclusively like spending a lot of time on the internet. It, um, has, it's almost like I know too much, you know, mm-hmm. like I know too much about it. <laughs> like I know what's going to work or what's not going to work. And I'm like, I wish I could just erase that from my brain so I can approach this fresh. I want to be, I want that sort of freshness in the way that I approach creative work. And that's what I'm trying to do with my book. I mean, it's, it, it's a little tricky when you go, I mean, to do something fresh while also trying to go within the standards of traditional publishing is, has proved a little tricky, but I mean, that's, that's what I want. I want whatever feeling I had with Twitter should hire me and, and subsequent things that I did where I I felt like, who cares? Like, I'm just going to try stuff and not put a lot of pressure on it, you know? So you mentioned something that really caught my attention, uh, and that was about having this sort of sense of conviction uh, when you put something like Twitter should hire me out into the world, or for that matter, anything else you've created. And I can't help but think there are a lot of people who get to a moment like that, and right before they're about to do something that scares the hell out of them, they basically step away from the ledge. I'm wondering why you think that is and how they overcome it. Well, I I think that a lot of people kind of do the like prejudgments, you know, like, what are people going to say? What's going to happen? What are the, what, and like all those unanswered, unanswered questions, it's like the uncertainty is too much. I mean, you talked about this, um, about, you know, you would rather live in the uncertainty and I, you know, I, I feel like. So many people are afraid of uncertainty. Um, And I am too. I mean, I I think it's kind of scary to be uncertain all the time. But, you know, the reason a lot of us do it is like our culture, like in society is like very programmed to step away from uncertainty. It's all about like stability and comfort and kind of like finding yourself in the trappings of a stable life. And that doesn't really like do well for innovation or creativity. It's not really, those are not the parameters where like great work really thrives. Um, And I feel that honestly, what I do to overcome it is I'm like, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? And then once I hear that, I'm like, ah, whatever, you know? And I I honestly just have a conviction in myself that like, I'm not going to go to bed at night like having fear bested me. Like I, I don't want fear to best me. I I'm, I can overcome that in my own mind. Like I'm not, I, I did this podcast. Um, I did an interview and I was like, sometimes I don't know what I'm so afraid of. Like I'm not, I'm not dueling with a bear. Like I'm just <laughs> like doing a scary thing with my creativity. I, I sort of have to, I think, kind of call myself out in a way. And I think that that's what a lot of 
people who overcome this stuff end up having to do is really like questioning themselves and questioning that fear. And the best way to overcome it is to just really face it. You know, you have to just be like, what am I so afraid of? And what's the worst that could happen? And why do I really want to do this? I mean, that's another thing. I think a lot of people maybe don't know their why, like why they're doing the things that they're doing. Um, you know, especially right now on the internet, it feels like advice, like life advice and success advice is like at at an all time high. It's just an echo chamber. And so I even find myself doing this where if I'm like consuming mindlessly on the internet, I step away and I have thoughts that I didn't even know that I believed, you know, I'm like all of a sudden thinking, well, I have to do this and this each day and I have to follow this person's habits and this and this. And like all of a sudden I'm in someone else's life and that makes me even more scared. You know, like I step up to the bat and I'm like, wait, 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 I don't even know if I want this. Um, and so that's where I think like the conviction really comes in. Cause if you're like, all right, if you're the conviction is that you're going to be X type of writer or something like there are certain things that you have to do to do that. I mean, you have to write, you have to put your work out there, you have to do certain things. And if you are convicted from a really true place, it, it, you kind of like, can't let fear get you. But I think that a lot of people maybe don't like they let it get to them. I mean, the worst thing would be to be rejected from a thing you didn't even want to do in the first place. That's just sounds awful. And so, you know, like why even put yourself through that? Um, And that's probably where, you know, again, that's where like the self-awareness comes in really questioning yourself and going like, why do I want this? Why do I do this? You know, I mean, not everyone is meant to do everything. I mean, we, we can all, I think there's a lot of things we think we want and I've had to like go through this a lot where I'm like, why do I think that I want this? Like, why do I want fame or like, why do I want this sort of like approval from this group of writers or this group of designers? Like, I always have to ask myself because I can get really, you know, you can get swallowed in that and you don't even know why you feel the way that you feel and then you're confused and then you're just scared of everything. I really appreciate you uh, being willing to talk about this because it's it's such a uh, important subject in my mind. Like understanding why we want what we do. You know, I, I came to a realization after a certain point that reading about other people's success stories, especially people that are peers of mine and, and other people doing stuff on the internet, actually started to make me feel worse about myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just not going to read any of this anymore. And it's it's interesting because I think you're right. I mean, with you know life advice and how to live a remarkable life advice at an all time high, it's a really tempting to start questioning why you're living the way you're living, and start to think that the way somebody else is living is the way you should be living. It's very very difficult because uh, a lot of people can. I mean, it's a very, very vulnerable thing to decide you're going to live life on your own terms because you're setting out on a path that is not it like it. It makes sense why you would follow someone else's path like anyone would follow someone else's path because it looks like I, 
you know, well, if they did it, I can do it. And that is actually the trap, I think, of the life advice and what, and the success advice, like you said, because I agree with you. I don't feel inspired by those stories. I always want to. I always try to. I'm like, well, maybe it means I'm not like confident enough if I'm not inspired. So I like almost am masochistic about it. Like I'll read them and then feel worse and be like, beat myself up that I don't feel confident enough or something. And so I, I'm like you. I mean, I at some point I was just like, I have got to stop clicking. <laughs> stop clicking on these things. Like They're not making me feel any better, you know? And a lot of, you know, unfortunately, this is something I try really hard to do with my writing is um, not adding to people's shame, like not adding to people's already like fragility around how to navigate life in general, you know? Like, I don't want to add to that. I don't want to be like the person that's saying, here's your problem with this. Here's why you're unhappy. Like, I just, I I find it to be really counterproductive. I mean, people will click it because they're, they're like me, they're masochists and they want (laughs) to like feel bad about themselves or have some evidence as to why they are not where they want to be, but it doesn't actually serve them. And so I think that's a really important thing. Because a lot of, I mean, this is like the basis of advertising is like making someone feel kind of bad so that you can sell them the pick me up. And that's a lot of the like stuff that's on the internet. It's making someone feel kind of bad so that they still need more advice. And I mean, I think that's tough because I think like some people probably do have some really valuable things to add, but I have found that like the most successful people, the happiest people are people that just decide to like live life on their own terms. And they're just, they're going to be like, okay, these are the habits that make sense to me. These are the things that I want to do. This is my freaking morning routine. You know, this is my stuff that this is what I desire. You know, not everyone's even not like not even everyone's definition of success is the same. You know, some people's success is making the most amount of money they could ever make in their lives. Other people's success is like being able to travel the world without having to really worry about money or like for me right now, the idea of success would be able to spend a year actually writing my book without having to do like 10 different side jobs all the time, you know, without having to do the hustle, you know, mm-hmm. like that doesn't seem like maybe someone else's success. Someone else's success might be, why would you ever turn down making so much money? You know, not that, not that that's like so on the table for me, but <laughs> you know, like that's, that's what you can get in that mode. And so I think that all of this is, it just, like you said about the why people are high performers, like there's so much advice and so many things around success and happiness that just don't take into account that so many people are different. Like we're different. We're not all wired to be the same. And that's like rich and beautiful. We don't all need to, to like follow the same path, you know? You know, it's, it's really funny because I think that the ultimate paradox of nonconformity is the amount of people who go after a nonconformist life. Yeah. It's become a little bit of its own conformity. For yeah, sure. exactly. I mean, I remember when I was 
after I did Twitter should hire me and I did this, like there was location independent was just starting, you know, that kind of buzzword location independent. No one even says that anymore. I don't think. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I didn't even know I was location independent. I just was started a web design business. I was still living at home. I had moved home from college and I, cause I thought I was going to live in San Francisco and then that didn't happen. And I was like, well, I guess I have nowhere to go. So I might as well go travel because why get an apartment and a con- like a lease if I can work from anywhere? And then now, like I've been, I've been kind of working on my book and part of it is writing about that time in my life. And yet every time I sit down to write, I'm like, oh, it's so cliche. Because like that was now that's what everyone does. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, how things have changed. You know, like things are even the things that seem like they were the total nonconformist thing are now almost the norm, you know? Yeah. Kind of reminds me of uh, an article I'm sure that you've read that Paul Jarvis wrote about uh, nobody on the Internet living the life that you think they are. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that I truly, I was actually thinking about this this morning. I was like, I believe Instagram has done some really not great things for like my satisfaction in life. Like it, it, I don't know. It's very difficult to actually believe people aren't living these lives, even though you know, rationally, that they're not like, you know, in your mind that they, that they're not, not everything's perfect, but it seems like it is. And so I, I mean, I really appreciate, appreciated Paul's post on that. And I think a lot of people talk about that now. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are doing that. I mean, I almost feel like that's becoming a trend where it's like, well, I, uh, looked like I was traveling the world, but no one knows that I was like, crying over this thing and which is cool like i'm glad that there's the truth in that but even that i feel like is becoming a trend too well i, I think that makes a, a perfect setup to uh talk about a few things that i want to do to wrap up the conversation uh you know one of the things you've talked about earlier in our conversation is this uh ability to find resonance with your work and your writing and to really get to the heart of what you want to say and i wonder how people start to find that in their own work? Um, I would say don't read other people's stuff for one. I, I mean, I think that that sucks because I, I, I know that all, a lot of writers want to especially support other people. But I mean, I have a sort of, I don't read the type of things that I write. I can't because I get too, um, influenced, you know? So I think that's the first thing. Cause that's like how you start to really develop. I like when I'm re when I'm writing like more personal stuff, I tend to read novels. I tend to read like mysteries or thrillers because I know it's not even close to what I'm doing. And so it, it allows me to stay fresh, get, keep my vocabulary up, like keep myself sharp but not interfere with what I'm doing um, because I think that's really important. Uh, the same thing with design. I, I re- people used to ask me like, so what are your inspirations? Like, what do you read? What do you do? And I'm like, literally nothing. 
because I can't, I can't, I don't want to get um, influenced. I mean, I didn't even go to school for design because I was like, I don't want anyone to influence my style. Maybe that's a little eccentric, but I, that's how, that's how it is for me. I mean, I, I think that it's really important to identify, maybe not even identify in clear terms, but like identify the feeling when you know you're doing the thing that most resonates with you. Like I know the feeling. I, I know it now when I'm like, this is the real thing. This is the vulnerable place. Um, it, it feels a lot different than the thing I'm forcing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and also I just, I, I think like the answer is within you. I know that sounds probably a little woo woo, but I, it, it is. I mean, it, the answer isn't out there. I mean, everybody's, like I said, everybody's different. Everybody knows what it's like when they're, they've hit on the thing, when they're resonating with themselves. And I also think like the third thing I would say is like, be a fan of your own work. Like be your biggest fan, like it, you know, like actually write the things that you want to read, not what you think people want to read. Um, like I think that's a little different and a little bit of a, change off of like, write what you want to write, like write what you want to read or like design what you want to see. Um, like what you want to consume. Uh, because, you know, I think it's a little disingenuous when people want to make a living off of art and then they don't think about that there's an audience that they have to cater to or like think about, cause that's the way to really make a living off of it unless you're independently wealthy. Um, but like, I, I think that that's really important. Like I, I'm, you know, as I'm approaching this book, I'm like, I'm going to write the book I always wanted to read. And, um, I think that that's pretty cliche advice at this point, but I think it's, it stands true. You have to like get to the heart of what you really want to do. Um, instead of kind of like mimicking other people, um, or like following their like 10 steps or anything like that. Like, it's just, I don't think that's where your great work is going to come from. I couldn't agree more. Um, so two, two final questions for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, how has design influenced the way you write and how has writing influenced the way you design? Uh, that's a really great question. Um, with, design, I think in general, because I feel like design is less of an emotionally, um, fraught thing. I actually feel like I really trust myself with design. Um, you know, with any creative, I feel that, you know, that moment when you sit down and you just know it's not coming, like it's not going to happen. And you can either like beat yourself up and sit there or you can get up and like go for a drive or do something else until it comes back. I feel like I don't have that yet with writing. Like I beat myself up and sit there. Whereas with design, if I sit down and it's it's slow coming in Photoshop, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get up and do something else and then it'll eventually come back. Like that inherent trust in myself is really I see where the disconnect is and it also though like shows me that I can get there. I mean, I've been doing design now for maybe like 10 years. I know that I can get there with writing. Um, so that's, that's like, it's really helpful to have that with design because if I was just doing writing and I didn't know that I could eventually cultivate 
that trust in myself and knowing, then like, I think I would be having a more difficult time. Um, and then writing has, how has writing influenced my design? Um, well, I don't know that it has that much. If I have, probably would have to think about that a little bit more because I've only thought about really how design has influenced my writing. Um, just because I think that right now I'm just more focused on my writing than I am on design. So I don't know how it, how the reverse happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I have one last question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I think that it's self conviction. Honestly, I really think that we tend to gravitate to people who are doing their own thing so strongly and confidently and we can't help but like be interested in that. Like it it's not even a tangible thing. It's just a person that's like going to do their own thing completely. Like they're going to break the rules. They're going to ignore everything that they've heard and just do whatever they need to do to like bring to the world what they need to bring to the world instead of following a set standard of things. And like, those are the people that we tend to remember and be inspired by. And they're the ones that you like cannot forget. And it's, we gravitate to them. Well, uh I think that makes a very fitting and, and poetic end to our conversation. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and uh, share your story and your insights. And it's it's really cool to connect with you after all this time, given how you know much of a catalyst you are for this work actually starting. Totally. I didn't even realize that I was such a catalyst. So it's so I'm very inspired by that. Thank you, like for telling me that. I'm. I, it seems like a long time ago that I was that in doing that. So it's uh, cool to kind of like think back on that time for sure. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Wednesday on the unmistakable creative. Uh, Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best thing and no good thing ever dies. And I think hope is important. I think, especially if you are overweight, out of luck, uh, you know, you're down and out creative, whatever that may be. Um, hope, for for a better future, I, I think is really helpful in getting you off the ground. You know, I I think hope is what I got from all of those games and movies and books that I loved. It was reading about Harry Potter trapped under the stairs or Link saving the land of Hyrule, uh, James Bond, you know, earning his double O and, and traveling the world and things of that nature. And and as somebody that had never done any of those things it was fun to live vicariously through those characters, but ultimately it required action from me on a day-to-day basis in order for me to get to that, that eventual future that I had built or that I had built up in my mind. Nerd fitness founder, Steve Cam joins us to talk about using incremental progress to level up your life. Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.